Here's Your Red Flag is intended for mature audiences only. Please listen with care. Lisa and I created this podcast with the goal of enlightening each other and our listeners in prevailing over narcissistic and toxic people and relationships. Our mission with this podcast is to help survivors of toxic relationships recognize red flags and areas of personal growth while equipping them with strategies for ultimate and lasting mental health across all relationships. This is a podcast of self-discovery. We'll be talking about personal freedom, safety, security, and strength while embracing our inner voice, recognizing and honoring our gut instinct, accepting imperfection, showing grace to ourselves, and starting anew. Many of our episodes will include topics such as psychological, emotional, and physical abuse, and detailed narcissistic and toxic behaviors. Our podcast is for educational and self-improvement purposes only and should not be viewed as a replacement for therapy. We are not professional therapists. If you are in need of professional help, please contact the appropriate authorities and see our show notes for helpful suggestions. Some names and identities have been changed for anonymity purposes. The opinions expressed by the guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent Lisa's or my views. You can find additional information about this podcast in the show notes, as well as on our website, heresyourredflag.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See our show notes for the links. If you have a red flag story you'd like to share for an upcoming episode, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us by email at heresyourredflag at gmail.com or private message us through Here's Your Red Flag Facebook or Instagram pages. Thanks, y'all. I flew up to the mirror Well, there was nothing that I seen You were Welcome back to Here's Your Red Flag, everyone. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Tony. I am so excited about today's episode. How about you? Totally excited. Yes. Today, we are going to be talking about the Enneagram. You and I were introduced to the Enneagram several years ago, and to say that it's been a game changer is a complete understatement. It's safe to say that learning and applying the Enneagram has truly changed our lives. Would you agree? Totally. Yes. Mm. So just a funny aside, the first time another friend of ours introduced me to the Enneagram, I was so skeptical and closed-minded to hearing about it because I thought she said something like pentagram, and I just couldn't fathom what she was talking about. I basically thought it was something like voodoo, devil-worshipping, dark stuff, but it completely isn't. And I know you, Lisa, you can allay our fears on that. We felt compelled to share our knowledge of the Enneagram with our audience because it's been so beneficial for us in our relationships with our family and friends, as well as navigating relationships with narcissists. We strongly encourage you to take an Enneagram test before listening to this episode if you're not already familiar with your Enneagram type. We will link a short version of the test in our show notes. If you use the link that we provide, be sure to take a screenshot of your results because the site does not save them. You will want your detailed results to refer back to many times as you learn more and more about the Enneagram. 
Oh, yeah, that is so important. So I remember first taking that test and feeling a lot of confusion because it was, you know, kind of a new language, but not a difficult language to learn. So how does one figure out their true type if they're having trouble figuring out, is this really me? This doesn't really sound like me or it kind of sounds like me. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take the test that we link in our podcast notes, it's really easy. It doesn't take very long. And it basically has you choose between two adjectives, wouldn't you say, mm. organized to disorganized, and has you sort of rate yourself between these two descriptors. And then once you're finished with the test, then it will present you with a number. And I love what you said, Tony. It is a kind of a foreign language at the beginning. It will present you with a number, then a lowercase w and another number. And so mm. in Enneagram language, that means your true type with your wing, which is like your second place type, I suppose. But what I love about the particular tests that we'll link in our show notes is that it gives you a bar graph of all of the other types and how much of each type you have in your personality. So the Enneagram types are numbered one through nine. And so you may have, for example, a result of a one W9, which would mean a one wing nine. But at the same time, you may have in your bar graph a lot of two or a lot of four or a lot of another number. And so it's important that you screenshot those results. So it is common when you're first learning about the Enneagram to maybe mistype yourself. So there are some personality types within the Enneagram that are common mistypes for each other. But really, when you're trying to find out your true type, what we want you to do is look at the wing and look at the characteristics of your wing and see if those resonate with you. Are they true about you? But also within the Enneagram diagram, you'll see arrows that point to other numbers where you go. That's Enneagram language, where you go when you're healthy. So how, how do you act and behave when you're healthy? But also there will be an arrow pointing to where you go or how you act or behave when you're unhealthy. And so take a look at those arrows and your healthy and unhealthy traits and see if those align. Because if your wing and your healthy and unhealthy arrows are accurate, then your type is also accurate. So Lisa, what is our aim in sharing the Enneagram with our particular audience? Well, we want to dedicate two episodes to the Enneagram, first and foremost, to help you understand how you are wired, because I know the Enneagram has helped Tony and I understand how we're wired, what our personalities are, how we relate to people, and we can easily identify our needs in relationships. The Enneagram also helps us understand what motivates us. I know personally, I have been able to understand my family more. My children have taken the test and they're really into understanding the Enneagram as well. And so now that I know their Enneagram types, I can relate to them so much better and interact with them in ways that are meaningful to them. And so we build connections that way and they, I hope, feel loved and appreciated much more than they did probably before we knew our Enneagram types. The Enneagram allows us to understand our friends and coworkers on a better level. And also, I think what we'll talk about in our next episode about the Enneagram is how to use the Enneagram if we encounter narcissistic or toxic people. Mm -hmm. One of the huge warnings given by Enneagram gurus is to never type anyone. 
I do agree with this, but once you know the traits of all nine types, it becomes natural for you to think to yourself, oh, she's an eight or he's a seven. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. You don't have to formally type them or take the test as if you were them or anything like that. But I think it's helpful to know about all the types so that we can interact with people on a healthy level. And what I mean by that is in a way that's healthy for you. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Don't type them and go up to them and say, you're an eight, you're a seven, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I think that they're alluding to when they say that. But I think Mm -hmm. what you and I, how we communicate a lot of times, if we're talking about a certain situation with a certain person, I might say this person has features of a nine or something like that. And that instantly allows you to go, okay, that person's a peacemaker and has these qualities. And so you can better visualize that person on another level than Mm -hmm. me just saying, this person is so sweet and kind and or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it really has, like I said, kind of opened up a whole other level for us to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And then also, as you said, you know, when you come across somebody who is showing qualities of one of the types, for instance, I just will say peacemaker, just because they're so sweet. Generally, you know, when I see qualities of a peacemaker and someone I can maybe kind of file them in the right spot. Yeah. So that I treat them accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to share with our audience our Enneagram types next time. But, you know, I think if we want to build relationships with people, we're all about number one, meeting them where they're at. Yes. And then number two, making meaningful connections. And so if you know how this other person is wired and what motivates them, according to the Enneagram, then we can meet them where they're at. And then we can make those connections that are meaningful, both meaningful for us and meaningful for them. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I wouldn't talk about my feelings if I were to meet a person and through a course of talking, discover that I think they're type five, I'm not going to drone on about my feelings because we would not make a connection. That's right. But if I met someone and through the course of talking, I could tell that they were, you know, a nine or a two, then I could talk about my feelings. Right. And they would be more receptive. You know that they would be more receptive to you communicating that way. Whereas Mm -hmm. a five wants to get the facts. Yes. Once things presented possibly more concisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really opens up better communication yes. for you once you know what somebody or can have a feeling for what somebody's type is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I think we all have the tendency to think everybody should act and respond and be motivated the same way that we are. And the beautiful thing about the Enneagram is it shows you that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. And a nine is not going to respond to things the same way that a three will. And a five won't respond the same way that an eight will and so on. And it has been so illuminating for us having this knowledge now. And I'm just really excited to share it with our audience, especially if you're in a toxic relationship or have toxic relationships in your life or even in your past that you never were able to understand and figure out. This will, I think, be very beneficial for anyone that doesn't know this yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. These last couple of years and going through a lot of counseling I've been able to really heal from the relationships that I've had with my parents because I know their Enneagram type now. 
and I know what motivates them and I know how they interact with people and what they need and don't need in relationships. And I can see them for who they are and understand them in a different way. And in a sense, have grace and compassion for them, even though our relationships are severed. At least I have an understanding and I can really accept the fact that they did the best they could. Yep. And I think that's been very healing and freeing for me. Mm -hmm. Would you say that frees you from some maybe personal responsibility you had felt in those relationships with their reactive behavior towards you? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely freeing because as a people pleaser, I've just lived my whole life wondering what I could have done differently or better or or whatever to be loved in a way that I would recognize. Mm -hmm. But through my study of the Enneagram, I realized that my parents don't express love in a way that I recognize as love. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But what was not okay was me beating my head against the wall, trying to change me to be accepted by them. Right. I, with the Enneagram, I get to stay me and I get to view people with grace and compassion. And I hope that other people view me with grace and compassion because certain types certainly aren't drawn to my type at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it has been personally freeing that I don't have that guilt or shame or feeling of inadequacy that I carried for so many years. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just to reiterate what you said just a few minutes ago, you meet people where they're at better when you have this mm -hmm. knowledge base of the mm -hmm. Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So if you know you're going to go be around somebody that is just vastly different from you, knowing, for instance, they're a five, which if you're not a five, you have to prepare your mindset to be with a five who mm -hmm. is, like I said, they want the facts, they want the conciseness, they want the information. And mm -hmm. that's different for someone that maybe likes to speak in three or four paragraphs. Yeah. And likewise, you know, I, I know two fives who have studied the Enneagram a little bit. And because of their study, they understand themselves. They can accept themselves and accept that they need time to recharge their social battery. And that's just how they're wired. And it is totally okay. And so they've gained a whole level of acceptance and appreciation for themselves, which I love. But in turn, I think they also understand other people, that other people do like to talk about their feelings. Other people do like to gossip about the royals. Other people do, you know, these seemingly meaningless topics that fives are highly intellectual. And so they may not want to, quote unquote, lower themselves to that mm -hmm. level but fives know that other people do like social interaction and games and fun and let their hair down. And so they can try to embrace some of those qualities too, a yeah. little bit. So I feel like the Enneagram is a superpower because it gives us special lenses to see other people through, but it also allows us to see ourselves through a new lens and figure out where we might better ourselves to be mm -hmm. more relatable. Yes. Yeah. And that's the important thing about the Enneagram is it's not a static concept. It's dynamic. Mm -hmm. And once you learn your type, if you hate your type, you probably have done it correctly, apparently. And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead, but you take what it is and you examine what it is that you don't like about your type 
And, you know, if you, you know, if it's your type deep down, and those are things that you can work on. And if you're an eight and you're very demanding bulldozing type of personality, and maybe that resonates with you that you don't like that about yourself, then you can work on filing down some of those rough edges. And it is, again, a very dynamic process and not something that you just take and set on the shelf. It is something that you actively use both for yourself and in relating with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think after you introduced me to the Enneagram and I took the test and started reading about it, it was hard to read about my type because I mm -hmm. did feel for the first time so seen. And oh, that's true. Yeah, just so seen and understood, mm -hmm. even the painful parts, the parts that I don't like, you know, the parts that understanding how I behave when I'm stressed, that just, it hit the nail on the head. And that's, mm -hmm. that was shame inducing, which, you know, my type is heavy with shame, but yeah, just really feeling seen and understood. But then I love what you said, you know, okay, I felt seen and understood and I hate these parts about myself. And so now I know when I'm stressed and I lash out, now I can rein that back in and just acknowledge I am feeling really stressed. I'm feeling totally unappreciated. And so I'm going to have to step out of my comfort zone and ask for what I need, you know? Right. And so it's just been life-changing. Yep. Truly. Yep. Definitely. For the better. Mm -hmm. So Basically, the Enneagram helps us understand the different needs, motivations, and perspectives that shape people. And it can help improve communication and strengthen relationships, as we've been talking about, because you can look at how it informs people's needs, insecurities, and potential sources of conflict. It also helps us understand another person's core motivations for their behavior across situations and can even clarify not only what their needs, goals, and values are, but possibly why they have those particular needs, goals, and values. Maybe some in the audience might be familiar with the Myers-Briggs, and in some ways the Enneagram is similar to it. The Myers-Briggs is a lot more intricate and complex to learn. It has 16 personalities, and each are comprised of four-letter codes based on a person's extroversion, introversion, sensing, intuition, thinking, feeling, and judging and perceiving, which is a lot to say. But the Enneagram is a simple nine distinct Enneagram types that are much easier to learn and apply to our relationships with other people. Basically, the Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It is a wonderful tool for getting to know yourself and what motivates you, as well as seeing others in your life and what motivates them. It's very helpful in relationships as no two people are the same, which means no two people have the same motivations for how they respond to their environment. Learning the nine different personality types and their motivations can be so helpful. For me, learning about the Enneagram actually really strengthened my marriage. My husband, he's a much more structured and ordered person than I am. However, once we had the awareness of our own Enneagram types, we were able to relate to each other better. And we began to have more rational discussions because we finally understood more of where each other was coming from. And in regards to as we've spoken a lot about needs, goals, and values, my husband's needs, goals, and values are coming from a completely different motivation than my own needs, goals, and values, even though I would say our values are pretty much identical. What motivates us in our needs, goals, and values are very different from each other. 
as far as narcissism goes, learning about the different Enneagram types, I can see how narcissism plays out in each type. And we're going to talk about that on our next episode, little teaser. Each Enneagram type can show up in an unhealthy narcissistic way when no matter what the Enneagram type is, loses empathy, intimacy, and or becomes overly identified with being better. Now, when I encounter a narcissist and use my knowledge of Enneagram to type them, just for myself. It has been so beneficial for me as I feel like I can understand their motivations based on their specific type and I can separate their negative behavior from anything having to do with me causing their behavior. It's been such a valuable resource in that respect. So in doing a little bit of research for this episode, I decided to look up how does the dictionary define Enneagram? So the Oxford Languages Dictionary defines it as a nine-sided figure used in a particular system of analysis to represent the spectrum of possible personality types. Snooze fest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the name Enneagram has nothing to do with pentagram. So I was very happy to read this. The name Enneagram means drawing of nine and comes from two Greek words. Ennea meaning nine and gram meaning drawing or figure. So the Enneagram is a nine pointed figure inscribed in a circle. So Lisa is now going to go over the history of the Enneagram. Yes, just in brief. There's a lot about the history of it on the Enneagram, but basically it's an ancient system dating all the way back to Pythagoras that explains what each of the nine personality types is motivated by and how our personalities express themselves during times of joy, stress, and in between. It also explains how we interact with each other, what our deepest needs are, and what our most intense struggles are. If you look at the Enneagram diagram, it is a circle divided into nine sections with lines and arrows throughout. Some believe it looks satanic, like Tony was saying, but I can assure you that the Enneagram is not associated with anything dark. In fact, many faith-based and faith-avoidant experts utilize the Enneagram. Many counselors and therapists are very wise to incorporate it into their practice, in my opinion. So a few things to know before we get into this any deeper is that the Enneagram personality types are numbered, one through nine, and no one number or type is better than another. I would highly suggest that you learn about your primary type and your wing first, and then you delve into understanding the other types. And as we said before, the link in our show notes for a very short Enneagram test will provide you with a bar graph, and that bar graph is ever so helpful in understanding yourself. In fact, Tony and I have really been learning the Enneagram over the past five or six years. And it was only just recently that I pulled up my screenshot of my results and saw my bar graph and it finally clicked like, oh my gosh, that is why I am this way, not because of my type or my wing, but because of that first little bar. We'll talk about our own results next week. So we'll give you a little cliffhanger, but yeah, it was just so enlightening and so freeing. And so I have never really studied much about the type that is next to my type in my wing, I guess my third place type. I've never really studied. It's probably the one I know the least about, but I feel like this time of my life, it's really showing itself a lot. And so it's been very interesting. So definitely screenshot your results and it's very fascinating. It is fascinating. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And while you might feel very vulnerable and opened up by it, you know, you don't have to shout it from the rooftop. What you're 
type is, you know, like let it marinate with mm-hmm. you and give yourself grace. Every type has wonderful, positive attributes about it. And if you don't like certain things about yourself, that just is like we said before, it's dynamic. And there are areas that are flashing signals for you to address them Mm -hmm. and work on for yourself. I know it's been that way for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's helped me too in a lot of my decision-making process to ask myself, okay, why am I doing this? Mm. Am I doing it so that I feel appreciated or am I doing it just because I really want to, you know, right. and it's, right. it's saved me a lot of time and a lot of money because a lot of my decisions are based on wanting to feel appreciated. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun to talk about our types next time, mm-hmm. but I think, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we want to keep it a mystery till our audience can catch up and get their types as yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. So I think what we'll do now is lay out descriptions of the nine different types. And then much like we did in a previous episode with the different types of narcissists, Tony and I have each picked different Enneagram types from modern day books, movies, and celebrities. And we've kept them secret from each other. So as we go through each type and their characteristics, we will each reveal who we picked as our top Enneagram type. That's that going to be sense. hard. To, yeah, it's going to be some some of them. Oh, I've got a lot of choices yes. of characters. So it's it yes. was fun. That was a really fun exercise to do. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. Well, so one of the basic foundations of the Enneagram is that it's organized into triads or three different sections, the heart, the head, and the gut. And within each of those triads are three types. So there's nine Enneagram types and three triads. So There are three Enneagram types within each triad. And so basically the types in the heart triad make decisions based on how they feel. Enneagram types in the head triad make decisions based on rationale. And Enneagram types in the gut triad make decisions based on instinct. Each type has characteristics that are exhibited when we're healthy and traits that we exhibit when we are unhealthy. So the Enneagram diagram has arrows that point in the direction of health and in the direction of stress. So today we'll go through each type, what that type tries to suppress, common beliefs, fears, desires, and then what are their healthy and maybe unhealthy traits. So Enneagram experts always start with the heart triad and the types in the heart triad are the two, the three, and the four. The type two is called the considerate helper and type twos try to suppress shame and pride. So all of their behavior is designed subconsciously to avoid feeling shame, but their overwhelming sin or tendency if we go overboard with our two-ness is to develop a sense of pride. Twos have probably a subconscious belief that says, I am not appreciated for who I am. So I have to help others by putting their needs and desires in front of mine. So twos are big time people pleasers. They fear being unlovable and something that they avoid at all costs is acknowledging their own needs. They have a desire to feel loved and appreciated, and in their healthiest sense, they are warm, compassionate, generous, and helpful. And when they're stressed or unhealthy, they veer way often to people-pleasing, which can lead to resentment. They are possessive, controlling, and prideful. 
All right. Did you want to add anything to the type two description, Tony, or did you want to tell me who you picked as your type two? I think I'll just talk about who I picked. I think that you described that perfectly, and I have nothing that I could add to make it any better. It was perfect. So the number two person, I actually have a list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to give you my list. Yeah, you can say that. I cannot pick. Yeah from these five. So Andy from The Office Mm. and Phyllis Mm -hmm. from The Office. And I pretty much have an Office character in almost all of these because that is my favorite show of all time. Yeah. Okay. And then going deeper, Emma Woodhouse from Emma. Mm -hmm. She's definitely a two. Molly Weasley from Harry Potter. And then Snow White from Disney. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. My pick for number two, I know experts always say Mother Teresa, but my pick was Dolly Parton. She's sincere and generous and positive. That's great. Yeah. That's a great choice. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So Dolly, if you're listening, love you. (laughs) If you want us to interview you about your tunis, we are ready for you. (laughs) Please come. Yes. Yes. We, we won't invite you. Jolene. No, Jolene. No. <laughs> what is Jolene, by the way? Jolene was is a real girl who had her eye on Dolly's husband. Ooh, what was her Enneagram type? Uh, Do I don't know, a skanky something. Uh, but she, is that uh, a type? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're inventing a 10th type. It's a 13. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so... Do you want to move on to number three? Yes. Number three is called the competitive achiever. The three is characteristically suppresses their own feelings and has a common belief that I am not valued as I am, so I must accomplish things to be valued by others. They also think my worth is defined by how I think others see me. The three would fear being worthless or feeling worthless. They avoid failure. Their core desire is to feel valued. When they are healthy, threes are authentic, visionary, very fun to be around, goal-oriented, and threes really like to connect all their people. So they like to bring people together for gatherings. They like to introduce people to each other who might have things in common. And so they're very, very good at really healthy, genuine, authentic networking. And then under stress, threes become very image conscious. Is there anything you want to add about threes? The other thing I would say besides image conscious is their indignation when somebody interrupts them, when they are, you know, laser focused on trying to, you know, finish projects or work on their projects. And they can be bears when they perceive somebody is interrupting them. Mm hmm. Threes are so goal-oriented, which is a positive thing, but when something or someone interrupts the flow, they become very enraged or (laughs) strikes a nerve. Well, who did you pick as your number three person or type three? Okay, so again, I didn't pick one person. I did not follow the rules (laughs) 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 because there's so many choices. Okay, Rachel Green from Friends. Would you agree? 
Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, another one is Scarlett O'Hara mm -hmm. from Gone with the Wind, from Harry Potter, Ron Weasley. Mm -hmm. And the quintessential three, I think, in a negative way, is Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally see that. Yep. Who is your one choice? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I picked multiple and other types. But, okay, um, good. All right. I, that makes me feel better about yes. breaking the rules. <laughs> My type won't let me break the rules very much. <laughs> <laughs> and my type will. <laughs> That's why we're such great friends. Yes. Um, the three I picked was Oprah Winfrey. I mm. feel like she's driven, very hardworking. She's very generous. She's friendly. And she likes to connect people. Mm -hmm. That's a great choice. Yeah. That's really good. You know, and I, I don't know her personally, so I don't know how image conscious she is but i think if you have more than one home you're probably image conscious <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i only have one so i'm not right no. <laughs> yes you're not image conscious at all <laughs> that's the dividing line right there yeah 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 so well, that's a that's a good choice i agree she is quite an achiever and yes. and she is very generous so mm -hmm. she's a seems to be a very healthy three mm -hmm. yeah and she, you know, she wants to be successful. And so, yep. Um, and that's not limited to type three. You know, a lot no. of types want to feel successful. But yeah. Are we ready to move on to type four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So the type four um, is called the individualist by some Enneagram experts and the intense creative by others. So I wanted to include both names there. Type Fours have a common belief that I'm not good enough on my own, so I must find ways to make myself stand out. Type fours fear having no identity or having no significance. They avoid being ordinary. They want to create a significant identity for themselves. When they are at their healthiest, they are expressive, creative, imaginative, and independent. And under stress, they can be dramatic self-absorbed and temperamental i can't wait to share my number four my type fours well do you want to go first <laughs> yes i do i can't wait okay can't wait. you have okay. to go first i picked moira rose from schitt's creek have you seen that show oh you know i've seen a couple episodes so okay which one is she she's the mom she's, okay. she's the wife yeah well i love that actress yes <laughs> uh moira rose she is original and creative she's intuitive but she's very emotional and a little self-destructive, which is mm. typical of a type four when they're unhealthy. But I also picked, I broke the rules here. I picked another one. I also picked Johnny Depp. And mm. I feel like his foreignness really rose to the surface during the recent trials. And I watched mm -hmm. a little bit of it on court TV. And I can definitely see a lot of foreignness in him. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Who did you pick? So I'm going to get an A from the teacher, Jay Gatsby. <gasps> oh, yeah. I know that you are a big proponent on that book. And yeah. Um, yes. Classic literature. Classic yeah. literature. Okay. Yeah. So my office person from the office is Oscar. Yeah. And from my favorite book of all time, Pride and Prejudice, mm -hmm. I 
kind of think Elizabeth, Lizzie, ben, you know, the mm-hmm. main character, she could yeah. be a four. And then also her sister, Mary. But mm. Mary could also be a five. So anyway, fours are hard for me. I, yeah. I think four is the toughest one for me to pin down. And I probably have fours in my life, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like for me, that that is the toughest one for me. I also have the same reaction. Like I don't see it. So I agree. It's totally hard. Okay. Did you do yours? Okay. Um, so, yes. I went I... first. I was so selfish. Oh, yeah. You did. Moira Rose. <laughs> In fact, if you just Google her, the very first one that came up for me was her with her black mascara running down. She's all bejeweled, gorgeous, and she's just being dramatic, and nobody loves me, and she's a washed-up actress. Funny. That's great. All about her. And then she ends up drinking like a whole bottle of vodka in her closet because she got a bad review. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that that fits with a four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, I bet a lot of actors are fours. Probably. And threes. Yeah, yeah. four wing three. That's where the, the wing three would fit with that. Uh-huh. Definitely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a three All wing right. four. That would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of lots of Hollywood. Yeah. But a four wing four. five would be an interesting person to study. So, Lisa, what are the next three? I think they're in the head triad. Yes, the head triad consists of types five, six, and seven. The type five is called the investigator and the quiet specialist. The type five suppresses greed, but not greed for money or material objects, but greed for knowledge. Type fives have a common belief that they are uninformed. So they must learn all they can in order to make sense of and navigate the world. Type fives are running from feeling helpless, useless, or incapable. They avoid connections. And when they're healthy, they are very perceptive, innovative. They are thinkers for sure. And they're also problem solvers. When they are under stress, they can be secretive, isolate themselves, very guarded, detached. They can seem aloof. And they're also known for hoarding. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yes. What would be the reason for that? I think because that greed aspect, they mm. there's just a comfort in having things. And so they don't necessarily hoard things, but they hoard their knowledge. And so oh. a type five I know will hoard books or journals and journals and journals and journals of notes on things. Mm. And so, yeah, it's a hoarding of knowledge more more than hoarding of things okay mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. who did you pick for your type five of course i picked a bunch who all did um, you pick as your type who, five? that's a great <laughs> way to ask that question <laughs> so okay so i pick ross from friends mm-hmm. great um, pick sherlock holmes from sherlock holmes yes <laughs> Okay, I've got three Harry Potter characters. Okay. Severus Snape, mm-hmm. Dumbledore, and Arthur Weasley mm-hmm. from Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Bennett. Yeah. Elizabeth's father. He's always in his study, mm-hmm. studying or reading. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah. Well, I only picked one, but I picked Sherlock Holmes as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty quintessential number five, the yes. investigator, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay, the type six is known as the loyal skeptic. They have a fear of not being able to make it on their own. 
and they also fear having no support or guidance. They, their core motivation is to do anything to not feel insecure, and they want to avoid standing out. Their common belief is, I am unsure, so I must find a person who can make me feel secure. When they're healthy, type sixes are engaging, responsible, loyal, perceptive, and clever. And when they are under stress, they can be anxious and very suspicious. And for my type six, I picked Erin from The Office. She's, She's on my list. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Yay. She is committed, reliable, friendly, cautious, and indecisive. Mm. Yep. Yes. I agree. Who else did you pick? Okay. So I picked Chandler from yeah. Friends. He is a huge number six. Yes. Yes. And I think he caps it like the, it's almost like the writers of that show for all of the characters, like looked at the Enneagram features and wrote those characters. It's totally. just brilliantly written mm -hmm. to their type. But mm -hmm. I mean, it, it just could be coincidental as well. Yeah. He was an easy choice mm -hmm. for six. And then I picked Michael Scott from The Office in addition to Aaron as <gasps> okay. a number six. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah, see I'm just that? trying to think. Yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely do. Such different personalities, right? But yes. the Enneagram is all about the motivation. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to avoid, yeah, feeling insecure. Yes. And they're so loyal. Mm -hmm. And again, it's my favorite show. So I do have it on quite frequently, just in the background, especially. But something that he does throughout is talks about how important the people in the office are to him and he's so dedicated to them and mm -hmm. that is his life is being there being their boss and he doesn't have a life outside of that i'm not saying that's the way all sixes are but that is definitely michael scott yeah for sure that's a great pick so what are the features of the seven the type seven is the last type in the head triad and the seven is called the enthusiastic visionary. The type seven wants to suppress unpleasant feelings and they try to avoid pain. They fear being trapped in their unpleasant thoughts or being trapped in unpleasant places. A common belief for type sevens is I am not happy with myself, so I must look for new and exciting things to do. When sevens are healthy, they are spontaneous, versatile, fun, energetic, optimistic, and creative problem solvers. And under stress, sevens can be scattered, distracted, fail to follow through, and unrealistic. Who did you pick as your type sevens? Plural. So for my sevens, I picked <laughs> Joey from Friends. Yes. I think that's pretty obvious once mm -hmm. you learn about the Enneagram. From The Office, I picked Kelly Kapoor. Mm -hmm. From Harry Potter, I picked Fred and George Weasley, both of them, mm -hmm. as their twins. And from Pride and Prejudice, Lydia Bennett and Mr. Wickham. And spoiler alert, they get married to each other. So got to be an interesting marriage, two sevens together. Yeah. And then one other really good seven is Holly Golightly from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, she's a true seven. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great pick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, if, if you watch that, I mean, it's absolutely, mm -hmm. she's seven all the way through and through. Mm -hmm. How about you? I picked Robin Williams. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Makes me sad. Me too. 
such a great talent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Such a dear man. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So we're moving into the third and final triad called the gut triad. Remember Mm -hmm. these types base their decisions based on their instincts. So the type eight is the first type in the gut triad and the type eight is called the challenger and the active controller. They try to avoid feeling or being vulnerable. Type eights commonly believe that they are weak and that they must be direct and go after whatever they want. When they're healthy, they are self-confident, they are decisive, and they champion the underdog. When under stress, they are very strong-willed, confrontational, and they do not trust others. And for the type eight, I have two. I picked Mr. Rochester from Jane Eyre. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. And then I also picked John Wayne. I feel like he is intense, assertive, independent, and protective. So I think he's on the healthier side of eight. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably an eight wing nine, just as a side. (laughs) I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We were trying to figure out, are there a lot of eight wing nines? And absolutely, there could be, especially when you put him in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who did you pick for your type eights? Okay. So I, of course, have a list, but I will cut it down to four. (laughs) 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 I was like, three, two, four. Four is good. Four is good. Four is good. So I will cut it down. Well, no, I won't. I'm just going to read them all. Okay. So Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Rhett Butler from Gone with the Wind. And then from Pride and Prejudice, Lady Catherine de Berg mm-hmm. is such an eight. Oh, my goodness. I just watched Pride and Prejudice again. So she's all those characters are very heavy on my mind. And I was Enneagram typing them as I was doing the research. And then, of course, from The Office, Angela and Stanley, mm. I believe, are eights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I could almost see Dwight Schrute as that, but I think he kind of maybe falls more into five. I'm I'm having trouble with him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would be fun to do the typing with you on those characters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely Angela and Stanley. Mm-hmm. And I bet Stanley is an eight wing nine as well. Yes. Yeah. So that's so funny. Yeah, that's that too. come to mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But then Angela would probably be the seven wing, right? Yeah, because she's not a big peacemaker. No. But she's also not very optimistic. Yeah. So she could just be unhealthy. (laughs) I think she's unhealthy. And maybe she could be a wing seven because look who she marries at the end. Spoiler alert. Uh She, you know, marries somebody that is got a beet farm. (laughs) She's they stand in graves to get married to each other. I mean, it's just really quite out there. It is. Yeah. I don't know. So she may be a wing seven. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm hmm. So second in the gut triad is the type nine, the adaptive peacemaker. The type nine's weakness is being lazy. They have a common belief that they are naturally in disharmony, so they must bend their wills and set their own opinions aside in order to keep the peace. The type nines go along to get along. They avoid conflict, and they also are running from or making their decisions so that they avoid loss, separation, conflict, and anything unfamiliar. When they are healthy, they are receptive, very laid back, agreeable, caring, and supportive. And under stress, they can become complacent. They can procrastinate, become lazy, and very indecisive. So who is your number nine? 
I had two. I have Harry Potter from Harry Potter. And I have Jane Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. Absolutely. They need harmony. They dislike conflict. They're gentle, creative, and imaginative. Yeah, I I tried to type Harry Potter and the actual Harry Potter character, and I had I could just put him in so many different things, but I actually yeah. have him as a nine also on my mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I looking at the wings and things like that. I just feel like he fits there as well. And who else is on your list? Nine was a great one for making a long list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from friends, Phoebe. Yeah. Yes. From the office, Pam. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I used to think Jim, but I think I'm working on the theory that maybe he's a three. So oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So but that's something we could talk about some other time. Maybe not bore the audience with that. Harry Potter, of course, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Jane Bennett, of course, from Pride and Prejudice. And Georgiana Darcy, again, I just watched Pride and Prejudice, but Georgiana Darcy, Mr. Darcy's little sister. Mm -hmm. And then I think Toby from The Office might be a peacemaker, a number nine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see that too. All right. The final type in the gut triad and the final type that we'll discuss today is the type one, the reformer and the strict perfectionist. The type ones have to work really hard at suppressing anger, and they have a common belief that they are unacceptable as they are. So they have to constantly monitor and correct and improve themselves. Their fear is being bad, as in immoral or being incorrect. They want to avoid errors at all costs. When they are healthy, they are principled, purpose-driven, highly attuned to morals and values, right and wrong. They are self-controlled and independent. Under stress, they can become critical, perfectionistic, rigid, judgmental, and even resentful. The type one I picked is Bruce Wayne from Batman. That's a good one. Yeah. He has a mission. He's disciplined. He's guarded. He lives with integrity and is called to a higher purpose. And so that's a common thread among type ones is that they feel a pull for justice. Type eights do as well. But type ones feel this pull for justice, for what is right. And so you can find type ones doing a lot of charity work and community service. Mm-hmm. Who did you pick? Okay. I Who all Monica- did you pick? <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that comment. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I picked Monica from Friends as a one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think she's a one wing too. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say she leans towards nine peacemaking as much as she does towards helping other people. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that she's a chef, right? Because especially if you're baking, that requires precise, exact Mm -hmm. measurements. You know, and she probably loves that preciseness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She likes a lot of order. Her house is always clean. It's funny that Rachel's her roommate, who's kind of a disaster in many ways. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but I think, you know, they, they have a great friendship. They balance each other Mm -hmm. with their differences. Mm -hmm. So yes. From Harry Potter, I picked Hermione Granger. She's a true one. From Game of Thrones, I picked Ned Stark. From Pride and Prejudice, I picked Mr. Darcy, although he could be a five. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm kind of not sure about that. And then from Emma, I picked Mr. Knightley. Okay. 
Yeah. Good picks. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really fun. That is so much fun. And I think once the audience gets into this, you'll find that you want to kind of type people and it is kind of a little game mm -hmm. it can be very enjoyable and I just love it I mm -hmm. you know I love doing that and seeing the features and traits of each type just throughout my life whether it be in fiction or in real life mm -hmm. you know something too that just came to me about the Enneagram and how helpful it is in relationships is if you know that you, for instance, are married to a type two and the two is all of a sudden snippy and controlling and all of the traits that they typically are not known for, mm -hmm. that's your big clue that they're under a lot of stress because yes. a type two will, they do share their you know, they will come out and say, I'm really stressed, but you won't find them saying, I feel unappreciated. Mm -hmm. And so I, what I love about the Enneagram is when you notice people behaving in ways that aren't like them, typically, that's your first clue. Oh, they're under stress. And so you know how to best help or interact with them. And I think that's really neat. It allows you to show them grace, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And no matter what our Enneagram number is, I think everyone wants to be heard and understood. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this gives us the tool to do that. Exactly. And I may not be able to help a person necessarily with their stress or their struggle, mm -hmm. but just maybe acknowledging it with them is mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. I see that you're stressed or I see that you're dealing with something and, and that's okay. And, you know, that's that's just oftentimes enough is to just recognize it. Right. For someone. Mm -hmm. The grace thing is huge. You know, I, I can think about coworkers of mine that have really snapped at me and, and kind of hurt my feelings from time to time. But again, I can just realize, okay, that's not their norm. And so they must be having some stress that doesn't involve me. And so it's also, you know, allowed me to not take things so personally, which has been helpful. So. Right. Well, I know we're not disclosing what our numbers are. Something that came to mind, I'll disclose what my husband's type is, and he's a one. And there was a point during the holidays where he was very snippy and perfectionistic and critical. And what maybe 10, 15 years ago would have caused a fight, I was able to understand that, oh, look, he's being this way, which is mm -hmm. um, not his normal way of acting. And I was like, hey, you seem on edge. And what's going on with you? Mm -hmm. And just asking that what question. And it just like it turned the light bulb on in his mind, like, oh, my gosh, I'm acting like this. And he said, yeah, I'm just so stressed out about what blah, 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 whatever it was, and kind of got him back on track to being his good old healthy number one self. So mm -hmm. we avoided having any kind of problems with each other. And it was really, again, just a, it's such a great tool in marriages or any of your relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it opened up that pathway to communication. Mm, you know, yep. you were curious about what he might be going through. And he was probably so wrapped up in his head as a one mm -hmm. about whatever it was he was stressed about that he didn't think about our two types immediately go to someone else to process. Yes. Whereas type ones process internally. So, yeah. So just your awareness of his mood shift or behavior shift opened up that pathway to communication, you showed grace and it also gave him permission to open up, which right. type ones have to be granted 
like yes. physical permission to open up. It's okay to be vulnerable. And I'm sure once he processed it with you, it felt less stressful, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think he needed to get it off his chest, but didn't realize it. And I mm -hmm. think that's what a lot of ones do is they hold it in. Yes. And then explode or, yes. you know, get snippy with others. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Good old Enneagram. Yes. <laughs> Well, this has been a great episode about the Enneagram, and I really hope that our audience will gain as much from it as we obviously did. I just think we never stop learning about it. Every time we talk about it, Lisa, I feel like I come away with additional insights. Next week, Tony and I will reveal our own Enneagram types and wings. We will talk about how we used to interact with narcissists before knowing the Enneagram and how we interact with narcissists and toxic people after our Enneagram knowledge. Looking forward to next week. Yes, it's going to be good. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us today and we will see you next time on Here's, Here's Your Red, Red Flag. Flag. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Here's Your Red Flag was written, directed, and recorded by Tony and Lisa and edited by Tony. Our theme song is Butterfly Woke by Jairus. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you would give us a five-star rating. Thanks, y'all. Butterfly Woke.